Greetings Commanders and welcome to Lave Radio's EGX 2017 coverage for Friday, Saturday and Sunday. On Friday, I went to a panel on the past, present and future of XCOM with Julian Gallup, the current creator of XCOM UFO Defense, as well as Jake Solomon, who's the creative director of the current XCOM. Um, at the pal- panel, I bumped into Commander Wishblend and I spoke to her about the highlights of her day. On Saturday and Sunday, I spoke to a lot of the smaller developers, including a lot of master students from NFTS. These students have had roughly five months to develop and build their projects before the presentations at EGX, although they actually have until Christmas to finish off all their work. Not every project has a website up and running for their work, especially those of the National Film and Television School, but where websites are available, I'll link to them in the show notes. Once again, please remember that all of the audio was recorded in a live environment, so it's very, very noisy, and I'm going to apologise once again for any audio issues. Hi there, I'm here with... Ruby. And what game are you guys doing? Uh, I'm the writer on Perfect Date. You're the writer, and is it just... It looks like it's just, is it just the two of you? I'm the writer, my boyfriend's the coder, and we have a friend who did the artwork. Okay, cool. So can you tell me a wee bit about Perfect Date then? Of course. So it's, you might have heard of these islands in Japan that are inhabited by cats. Yes. Well, yes. Uh, you play a scientist that goes there to investigate the environment and the flora and fauna, and um, you, something happens, and you find you're able to communicate with the cats. And so you have to get to know them as well as unravel some of the mysteries that come up during the game. So, okay, you're, you're the writer of it, so I don't want to say tell me the storyline. How important is storyline in this game? And can you tell me a wee bit about what the actual game mechanics are and what you do in the game as well? Yeah, of course. So it, it, the story is super important. It is a visual novel, so it's all writing, basically. <laughs> There are some uh, quite a lot of dialogue options and things you can choose to do or not do which affect the outcome. So there are multiple endings. But you also have to manage some stats, uh, make sure you don't run out of energy, or uh, balance things so that you do a bit of everything. For instance, do your job on the island, uh, do some investigating of the cats, and uh, talk to the cats as much as you can. I'm assuming the cats all have different personalities and things and so on. Yeah, very different. Each of them, they're all, they're all very mischievous, but they're all <laughs> just like all cats, really. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So I'm assuming you're a cat person then, rather than a dog person. How did you guess? <laughs> yes, I have two cats, and I love cats. So I've been wandering around uh, EGX on Friday and I was lucky enough that I bumped into Commander Witchblend. So do you want to tell me a wee bit about your experience here today then? Yeah, I've came and explored a few of the new games coming out and also getting experience on uh, possibly becoming a computer games developer, the programmer side. And yeah, I had some great time and I'm coming up a few more days to hopefully uh, try some more games. Were you at any panels or anything like that, or uh, a few panels where they're discussing the yeah the the game industry side of things, but not not as many uh, actual game yeah panels and that. So and okay, you earlier you're saying you you've had a go of Battlefront Two. I'm interested in Battlefront Two from the storyline perspective of it. I would be interested in knowing how you feel the demo that they were doing was today. Yeah, the demo was mainly multiplayer today. Uh, it looked like a 40 you know, player, you know, 20 at each side. Uh, one side playing the droids, army, one side being the Imperials. And you, if your players stay together, you actually get more of a bonus points than if you get killed. The bonus points get added, added up, and then when you respawn, you actually choose a different, um, you know, avatar, you know, or some of the higher level ones, like the fighter ships or the uh, assault uh, transport all the way up to the ones with the lightsabers I'm assuming that the, there wasn't anyone there to ask you know, any questions of the, the game that we could, so we know like, what ships and what the spaceship piloting is going to be because you know, obviously you know, flying a spaceship in Star Wars is kind of a big deal and you know, Battlefront had TIE fighters and X-wings and things like that but I felt that the spaceship combat was a wee bit lacking. I can't give you much of a feedback on the spaceship flying because the one time I, I managed to uh, spawn into a uh, fighter, it was the, N- the Naboo um, you know, ship. 
and a few seconds after I uh, spawned, I got killed. <laughs> it was just kind of typical. That's sod's law, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but I think uh, the overall, wa- yeah, watching the screens as I was queuing, you've got the, uh, yeah, the actual uh, flying side of uh, yeah, the multiplayer. It's actually happening at the same time as the uh, ground level. I can't say the surgeon because I didn't get yeah, that uh, feedback, but I think that's the general gist I was getting. And you've played a number of the indie games as well. Any highlights there? Uh, yeah, I had a little uh, play on the Sunday Sky in that, which is an interesting game in that, uh, about uh, Victorian uh, going through to this new world now where they're trying to colonise. And the ship you're flying or driving around on the oceans and that, it's um, got a lot of momentum in that. And there's a lot of storyline there, but I didn't really get much chance to go into it because it's a big place here at EGX. So if you had to pick one highlight from your whole day today, what would you say it's going to be? Uh, today, it, for me, it would be just the, uh, the talks at the UK uh, Careers Fair because that's where I was getting a lot of information. But I also managed to get onto the Star Wars Battlefront first thing this morning, even though it was big queues. And do you want to tell us a wee bit about what you're doing in Elite Dangerous as well while I've got you? Uh, yeah, Elite Dangerous, I say I'm out in the Colonia region still. Um, slowly um, get, just uh, building myself up and in uh, January myself and uh, another commander King Infinity and that we're basically setting off on an expedition out to Beagle Point uh, the expedition is going to be called Beagle Point Expedition which is easily found on the uh, forums and that and it links to, to the specific d- uh, Discord channel So I mean obviously I know you like exploring and things like that what's your take on the 2.4 exploring changes then? I haven't seen much of the exploring changes yet, but I'm hoping there's going to be a lot more yeah, content or dynamic uh, yeah, activities coming in. I mean, I know uh, 2.4 is going to be big on the Thargoids, but I'm hoping there's going to be a lot more for the explorer side as well. I mean, I know... So, in the patch notes, we're getting a 20,000 light-year jump range uh, rather than just 1,000. Uh, and in your galaxy map, when you're plotting your route... It's going to tell you your the last star that you can scoop at, um, but I've heard some people complaining that you know, they're nerfing exploring even more. Um, with regards to the route plotter, no, I wouldn't say they're nerfing because if you're basically going out to explore, you're going out to explore. The only time you'll come across all the same stars that have been discovered if you're following the main well, exploration routes. If you're going off um, somewhere different, just point yourself um, about 5,000 5, uh, light years away from you know, any particular corridor and usually you find yourself in unexplored space. The 20,000 light year mark is really good because I actually tested in the beta from the original bubble back out to Colonia and I only had to readjust that once now because it's not quite enough distance to get out to Colonia. Uh, as for the fuel, that is a nice notification that you know, the last, last step star on your route is you know, to scoop up the fuel. But it's worth noting that if you've got stars plotted in your route, but they're not the fuel stars, then it won't actually tell you it's the last one because it's already told you that you know, when you, you're in your last one. Yeah, so that might be an, an, you know, I would say it would be a nice little additional feature that in the UI they can say, warning, this is your last scoopable star, as opposed to, oh dear, that's a shame, you jumped here and you can't scoop it. Whoops. Yeah, it does actually say on the uh, Galaxy map now, when you're actually plotting the route, that's the last uh, scoopable star on your route. And also when you're in the main game, it'll come from the info panel on the right-hand window. But if you're scooping along now, yeah, try not to dive into the suns, you may not actually catch the message come up in the top right corner. Okay, so it is at least in the top right corner saying this is the last one. Yes. Okay, that's not so bad then, I guess. Or it's so so bad. We don't have any of this in game at the moment anyway, but at least it's trying to tell you rather than throwing it in your face, I guess. Um, what about have you? Did you try doing the neutron jump uh, route planning stuff? Can you tell me how that's working for you? Yeah, the route planning side of. As part of the 20,000 light year thing, it does work really well. 
Uh, the only thing to be careful of is it doesn't distinguish between the white dwarf stars and the neutron stars. And if anybody's doing a long time exploring, they know the difference between jumping into a neutron star. While you can get a boost from the uh, stars from them, they're a lot harder to scoop because of the bigger yeah, gravity well. What, one thing which I've noticed just from flying around in general, I've never taken a neutron highway, but you know, sometimes I'm like, okay, I've got a white dwarf or I've got a neutron star, let's hit it and get a bit of an extra jump. But then I find it, you know, it's like, I want to go here, but certainly in 2-3, I can't say, okay, I want to go all the way over to Lave, go and do one big jump and then a couple small ones. It's just, well, it won't make use of the neutron star that I just scooped. Um, the neutron stars and that, they, as you get closer to the centre of the galaxy, you get, you get more and more stars. But in the main bubble, I don't think there's that many stars. There's just a few white dwarfs, I think. There's a magnetar in, in the bubble, which is a, a Jackson's Lighthouse, which is off on the right-hand side now, if you're looking towards, you know, with the, the core and that being at the top. But as for short range and that it's sometimes it's quicker just to fly you know stop a star star by star and that rather than you know trying to find the neutron stars right so anything else you're wanting to say about elite about egx about anything no i say i'm really looking forward to the uh, 2.4 and seeing what new uh, surprises what come in in that with the uh, exploration and but uh, as to uh, you know what Frontier's got under the hood, I have no idea. I'm just looking forward to finding it out. Right, well, thank you very much for joining me then, Wishblend. Uh, we're a literary top-down RPG. This is based in 1905. It's an alternate history universe. Victorians have gone to space. Uh, there are various reasons behind that, but for now, that's all you need to know. Uh, this is the spiritual sequel to Sunless Sea, which was uh, very much in the same sort of style. Critically acclaimed game. Part of the huge appeal about these games is that we have some of the best writers in the industry um, and they have created this incredible universe full of really rich lore um, and what these games give the opportunity to do is to be a captain, to venture out into this weird world uh, and interact with stories, engage in combat uh, and basically build your character and change the world around you. So Sun of Skies uh, is now, uh, we're in space as I said, and uh, you as a captain can explore these four huge regions um, and there are various like ports that you can see this yeah, gentleman here is just interacting with a port and uh, these ports and different locations will give you opportunities to uh, explore these uh, different stories and um, we're as I said we are a literary game you know we have yeah. as I said some of the best writers in the industry producing some of the best fiction that out there so that's something that we are enormously proud of but one thing that we knew could use some improvement from Sun to Sea was the combat so that's received a lot of love in Sun to Skies uh, we've really improved the kind of maneuverability of your craft uh, and the intelligence of your enemies so we've made the combat a lot more engaging and interesting for players to interact with because we know that was something that they wanted improvements for um, and yeah aside from that we just kept building upon the stuff that people loved the quality of the fiction uh, the weirdness of the world we have a kind of an interesting tone that is, there's a bit of horror, there's a bit of comedy, uh, there's certainly drama and pathos, and uh, there's all sorts of different so, sorts of themes and genres that we explore within this universe. So it, that feeling of the unknown and not knowing what's going to be around the corner that we wow. have kind of kept from the previous games, we really want to uh, kind of push with this one. Was it Barry you said? Barry, yes. Yeah. So the game's developed using some kind of procedural generation, but you're not allowed to talk about it. Can you yes. say why you're not allowed to talk about it? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Well, I, I mean, I've just played about, I don't know, about, it felt about 10 minutes, but it might have been longer. I have no idea. Definitely you know, longer. It was, it, Definitely oh, longer. Okay. Well, that's a good thing then, because you know, I had a, a blast. You know, I just accepted a quick mission to deliver a lady off to somewhere called Port Prosper and eventually found it after starving my poor crew and becoming a bit of a... a you're terrorising them and things like that. And going a bit insane, I noticed. Are you talking to a corpse? Uh, I, I was talking to a corpse outside, yes. Very friendly, isn't it? It's, it was... Well, <laughs> I, I sent somebody off to wipe him off the windscreen. This was fun. <laughs> you know, and the guy did it because he didn't have any choice in the matter. <laughs> um, so, what are you allowed to talk about then? A lot. You know, my main, the main thing I've been working on are the combat. 
Right. Um, Which is something the, I didn't have a chance to find. And do. Oh, you didn't have a Triton thing. No. And uh, systems like the, the charts and the scouts and so on. So yeah. I, I love the fact that it's a batch of sending out to salts. I think that's awesome. <laughs> the salty We actually have several scouts you can pick. Right. And they each have like a different bit of text and they're going to behave a bit differently when they go out. Like some of them will search for further. Uh, some of them find more places, things like that. that. Uh, yeah, you know, people, people love our words. You know, we, yeah. uh, we have a reputation for being good at telling stories. I'm not a writer, so I can talk about how great the writers are without seeming <laughs> arrogant. They are incredible. Um, so I mean, it certainly got me hooked. Yes, it's one of the more unique worlds I've ever played. It's I incredibly mean, unique. Yes, I, I was a fan of Sun and the Sea before I got this job, right. and you know the world is just it just sucked me in. It's amazing. But we've been trying to improve on the things that we're less good at. So Sun and the Sea, uh, big complaint was the combat wasn't particularly thrilling or interesting, and it's something we spent a long time trying to make more interesting in skies. I mean, uh, when I was in sea, I ran away from most of the fights, got a big engine, ran away. Uh, we tried to make the ship more responsive. Uh, it sort of moves better. You've got the strafing. Her, her strafing's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's really cool. Uh, more, you can sort of fire sort of more constantly. You don't have to worry about firing solutions. Pretty sure more constantly isn't a good word, but. <laughs> Uh, and the enemies are smarter, like uh, I spend a lot of time making the AI for the enemies. They'll try to flank you, they'll try to get out of you, stay out of the range of your guns, get you from behind, um, kite you. We've had sort of people talk about how they, one particular enemy, they're pretty sure is just toying with them. Uh, which is intentional and it's, it's bad, uh, I'm glad to hear that. So yeah, hopefully the combat's going to be a bit more exciting this time around. So, you know, even when you're and you know, the ship just moving a bit better, uh, driving it just hopefully feels better. So in between these stories, we hopefully have a, a bit more exciting gameplay for people. But, I mean, the, the sound and the visualizations of the game are absolutely beautiful. But, I mean, I love the fact that, you know, it sounds almost like you got, I was flying basically a steam engine in space. Or uh, a, a yeah. you know, train, steam train in space. Yes, yeah, so some of the... When there was the rush to the high wilderness, you know, some of the spaceships are just trains, which they've uh, repurposed. You know, it has a steam engine. They need a steam engine. So they airproof they trade and shot it into space. It's, As you do. <laughs> it's sort of the fancier ships, which are either made out of fancier trains or uh, are actually not made out of trains. But uh, for the time being, we, we've sort of got the war between the tactics and the... Um, the stovepipe, so that's London yeah, yeah, and the Independence. And the Independence kind of have these very ramshackle vehicles. Uh, they don't have the resources of London, so they're kind of stuck together a bit. You can, you can see one there, actually. Okay. Um, and yeah, so it's sort of the ships we're showing at the moment are kind of the, the early ones, the ramshackle ones, the stuck together ones, but we've got this is a very exciting concept art for some of the, the later things you'll, you'll see cool. and fly. So this is the third in the tr in the trilogy so far, is it? Uh, yeah. yeah, the third in the the Fallen London series, you could call it. Would but I be as someone who's never played the game? Would I be best to go start at Fallen London and work my way up, or is it okay to just dive in? Uh, it's okay to dive in. Uh, I played the second game, Sun the uh, Sea, Sun before the sea. I played Fallen London. This was before I got a job here. Um, and I really enjoyed Fallen London. Uh, sorry, Sun the Sea. Uh, <laughs> despite or possibly because of having no idea what was going on. I mean, it's the sort of weird, bizarre world where you're not quite sure what the rules are or what things are. And being thrown into that and having to make your way through it, I found really thrilling, really exciting. Well, I mean, I was beginning to get a feel with that with Sun of the Skies. Mm. Like, uh, you know, I've been told to collect Glim. What is Glim? And then you find out all about, yeah, exactly. And sort of unraveling these mysteries is a big part of the game. And, you know, going in there with no idea simply means you have a few more mysteries. Yeah. And it's fun to unravel them. And we've also, and for people who have played the previous games, they will see connections. There may be a few familiar faces. Uh, they may unravel some mysteries from previous games. Um, but people who haven't played those games, they won't sort of be, have no idea what's going on. We're not going to have, oh, you know, you're playing a whole different character. So we're not going to have people remembering you from the previous games. 
Uh, there'll be certain events that might get mentioned, but um, yeah, we're trying to make each game anyone can just jump in. But if you play all of them, you'll see the you'll connections. Yeah. Right. So whereabouts can people find you? Uh, so we are Fail Better Games uh, on uh, Twitter. Yep. Uh, Sunless Sea and Sunless Skies are currently available on both uh, Steam and GOG. Uh, Sunless Sea is in full release, uh, including DLCs of Mariner. Uh, and um, Sunless Skies is in early access. We're in a few weeks now. Uh, on GOG as well? Yes, or? GOG and Steam. Okay. Uh, Sunless Sea is also available on iPad. And uh, Fall in London is available on pretty much everything. Uh, it's a browser game. You can play the browser on your computer, on your phone, but we also have an app that lets you play it on your phone. Uh, makes things a bit easier. Um, yeah, so find us everywhere. <laughs> Any final words? I'm a big fan of Sunless Sea, and before I started all this job, and working on the sequel is incredibly exciting, and it's incredibly exciting to see where it's going and what we're improving on over Sunless Sea. So for fans of Sunless Sea, like myself, you should be very excited. Thank you very much then, Barry. Thank you. <laughs> Hi there, I'm with... Uh, Jonathan Nielsen. And you guys have been working on Fallen, Fallen Sky? Yes, yeah. So it's, a, it's a, my graduation game uh, from National Film and Television School, which I've been working on for the last uh, eight months. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's a, it's a narrative adventure game with an open world, so you navigate this world with Google Maps and your car, and you can walk around wherever you want. Um, so it's this story about these two brothers, Tommy, uh, which is eight years old, and, and Daniel, is, uh, who is in university. Um, and Daniel is coming home to visit, visit his mom and his, his uh, younger brother. Uh, and he finds his younger brother, Tommy, uh, abandoned. Um, and he's been there for quite some time with tin cans and left with some, some uh, strict rules by the mother about hiding and not letting anyone in. Uh, so Daniel is a bit weirded out by this. And then I just let the player loose in this town to go and and talk to people and you can go to the police station or you can go to the diner to get Tommy some food um, and just explore. Um, so I really want, I, I really like the idea of, of a, a Legend of Zelda world map where you have lots of secret things and you have places you can visit, some places are open at a certain time. So I kind of wanted to blend that in in the Western narrative um, uh, games. Um, so it's, it's an attempt to do something like that. Yeah. What's the game written in then? Uh, it's it's I'm using Unreal, uh, and I'm developing it myself. I'm a solo developer. Right. Uh, so it's been Any uh, art guys or story guys, or is it literally? No, just yeah, yourself? no. I, in the development, I mean the game development. Yeah. Uh, so everything in animation, modeling, uh, everything that's been done in the project. Uh, yeah, it's been been me. I've been outsourcing assets like uh, for cups and and pots and and things like that. It's more, um, yeah, but. Um, so a lot of the like all the characters I've been modeling in ZBrush and, and animating it and stuff like that. But also we have uh, I have a supporting team of uh, of a composer that's been with music, uh, which we recorded we recorded in Asian studios studios with a big orchestra. Cool. Um, and also Nikolai Savov here. He's um, he's a producer, so been making everything uh, work. So we did motion capture. So he's, he was the one that uh, made you know the great phone calls that made us do that for free. Um, so that's been really great, um, and you see here how how when you get out of the car, um, uh, you, you can see like the camera how it moves down, and suddenly you are. Uh, that in looks this. really beautiful, actually. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, so then you are like more in the third person view, uh, and you can explore that way as well. So there, I want puzzles and, and things to do uh, closer down. Yeah. So. And you're doing it for part of your university things, did you say? Yeah, yeah. Right. So will this ever actually make it out to the public? I would, I would, I'm going to push for that. And then uh, with the reception we've been getting, uh, I hope that will help us uh, get a Kickstarter going or, uh, or some funding we're looking for. Um, it's been really, really nice. We've been uh, uh, the Game of the Show contender for, uh, for these guys and also uh, Eurogamer. Awesome. And um, so, so hopefully people will, uh, will keep liking it so we could... Um, could go ahead and make a full episode, and I think it will be episodic, so we can we can yeah, uh, yeah do it that way. Um, right, so it's not available at the moment, then I'm guessing. Not available at the moment. Um, yeah, so it's going to be a trailer. We're going to put that out, um, and then people can. And you're seeing this is through the NF National Film and Television School. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. So can you tell me a wee bit about what they're doing and how 
they're all involved in all of this kind of stuff. Yeah, so uh, National Film and Television School is is a very uh, it's, it's, it's quite a very established film school. It's yes. rated as one of the best uh, film schools in the world. They started a games course uh, five years ago. Okay. Uh, so that's quite new, and I think the great thing about NFTS is that, uh, which is the National Film and Television yeah. School, is the way that since it's so difficult to get in for many other people that are doing uh, cinematography, uh, writing, everything, that it's, it's very, you, you get to make a game in an environment with very good people that have background in film. So for example, for me, I'm able to work with a great composer and, and, and with a great writer. Um, and that is like very, very interesting to do that, collaborate with people that are, have professional backgrounds in film yeah. and making a game. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm a developer by trade yeah. and but I've got the creative skills of a cat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I couldn't do anything that looks half as beautiful as the stuff you're doing. Oh, thank you. Um, but yeah, and I, they're, it's a very, very different yeah, really skill set. So having what, what access to resources that allow you to, access to composers, musicians, and things mm -hmm. like that would be awesome, I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's just a really, really great, um, great environment um, right. to make games so in. Is there anywhere that people can find out more about the game or yeah, you you know, could, keep, uh, keep an eye on it? Basically. Yeah, we'll be, uh, we'll be posting on it on Twitter. So uh, right. Jonathan Nilsson uh, at Twitter. Um, Do you want to spell that out for me, please? Uh, J-O-N-T-H-A-N-N-I-E-L-S-S-E-N. -S -S -E uh, yeah, so that is... Um, so yeah, uh, I will be posting uh, things there uh, for people to... Um, so I'm going to probably release a Kickstarter or, or something like that uh, oh, next year. Fingers crossed. Yeah. I mean, I'm, it looks awesome. So Thank you very crossed. much. Thank you. Hey, I've just gone off and been playing Tracks, which is basically a wooden train set simulator. And I'm now joined with... Tom. And you guys are from... Whoop Group. From Wood Group. Whoop Group. Whoop. Published by Excalibur. Okay, so do you want to tell me a wee bit about the game? And well, like you said, it's a toy train set simulator. You can build a track with you know, quite an easy-to-use editor. And then you can uh, put down little decorations if you want, make a little town, some uh, physics objects to smash into, or you can do the objective mode where uh, there'll be furniture around the room, little passengers will spawn on the furniture, and uh, you have to take them to where they want to go. And, I mean... I'm assuming, what, 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 what did you do in the game? What, what, are you the developer? I'm or, the developer. So is it sole developer or what? Uh, I I'm, I'm make the game, I have an artist and a musician. Okay, cool. So, I mean, I'm guessing, was this your idea of doing this? or? Yeah, so yeah? it started as a game jam. So right. it was, I think, three weeks to make a game with a theme of comfy. Okay. So, you know, relaxing games. and yeah. that's, So I released that for free initially. Right. And then uh, got a lot of YouTuber attention, <laughs> and then the uh, publisher got in touch after that, and I turned it into a full game. Right. And so where can people get it from then? It's all on Steam on the 28th next week. Okay, so Steam, Steam next early week. access. Right. Gotcha. Yep. Um, so what plans then do you have for the game? Because obviously you've got a fairly comprehensive set of building blocks. Mm -hmm. Your environment's got a lot of potential, but basically you're in a great big white room at the moment. Yes. Your characters are—I love the, you know, the, the little wooden characters with just, yeah. you know, no faces, no nothing, and very, mm. very reminiscent of my childhood. Yeah. So uh, there are different types of passengers. Yeah. So ones uh, there are like business ones with top hats and moustaches. Still wooden, I'm assuming. Yes. Painted? Not at the moment. Oh, they have little shirts, and uh, so each type of passenger has a different requirement when you're taking them to where they want to go. So there might be like a time limit or a. Uh, limit on how violently you can drive or something like that and uh, I've got sort of not quite they won't be ready for a lease but I've got another game mode with a uh, cargo so some cargo drops into a different type of carriage and you have to take that to where you want to go right, so you can presumably I think the train that we were driving was an engine and a couple of carriages by the look of yeah. it but you'll be able to yeah if I wanted to add like 10 carriages or something yeah, stupid you, you can do that already Okay, so we can do all that. Yep. Um, I noticed yeah. it's, it's your dial of speed. Just, yeah, when I was originally doing it, I was expecting it almost like, you know, when I play this, when I played this as a child, you know, you push the train and. Oh right, yeah. Yeah, I was like push. Sure. And, and yeah, whereas yeah. this is obviously it's more dial of speed. Acceleration, yeah. 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 Oh, it's really cutesy. So it's, <laughs> I, I enjoyed it. It's silly but fun so far. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, thank you very much. Thanks. Right. So I've just been playing the mouse VR. I'm guessing you'd be Adam. Adam Comrie. Yeah. Yeah. So you want to tell me a wee bit about what the game is, yeah. 
um, you guys are doing this all part of the NFTS thing? Yes, the part NFTS games, yep. Doing a Masters in Games Design and Development. Right. Uh, Two-year full-time Masters. So we're here now at EGX. We've spent about six months developing um, our grad game. Yeah. So I'm doing a VR game called The House Mouse VR. And yeah, just really trying to come here, um, get feedback. And obviously it's not in the best condition. It's got a lot of bugs, a lot of glitches. But at the end of the year, hopefully it'll be packaged well enough to take to investors and say, look, help me out to make this a proper game with a team. So, I mean, the, the idea so far of the demo at least is yeah. you're a mouse just sneaking around and you get yourself a slice of pizza. Yeah. Where are you seeing this? Where are you seeing yourself taking it then? Okay, so I, I see it expanding so much more than one room and one well, one house. I see it going into multiple flats, complexes, um, hopefully even going out onto the street, avoiding cars, etc. But imagine going into like another flat where there's like a party going on. It's like, <laughs> and there's just feet and everything that you have to avoid getting stamped on by. Um, other things like that, you know, I really like the idea of maybe even going through pipes and drains, not just behind the walls and underneath the floorboards, but those other kind of spaces. Um, so, yeah. I noticed the games in black and white. Is that deliberate or is that just to keep the resources down? Um, no, it's deliberate for now, but yeah. eventually I'm going to put more shading and more colours in. I'm going to experiment. But for EGX and the time that I had, I thought, keep it like this because mice's vision, mice don't have good vision anyway. Oh, They're partial, like, intense, like... Majorly colorblind, to be honest. I, mean, so, you, um, I was wondering, yeah. have you actually investigated how? Yeah. Yeah. How mice see the world I compared have, to us? I have. Yeah. yeah, and I haven't um, fully implemented the way they do because then I don't want to create a mouse simulator. Mm -hmm. But I do want to actually give people that at least the perspective from that kind of low-down, um, wild field, wide, wide field of view at least. Um, so yeah, I think there's a lot more to be done. Colours, it can definitely expand, but for now at EGX, yeah. with the amount of bugs We're getting I have, it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's the last thing on my mind for now. Mm. But um, yeah, but there's a lot more I want to get done, to be honest. Um, even I want to do more to the cat's AI, um, but doing that by myself is heavy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, writing AI work is, is hard in its own right. Exactly, exactly. So, what's, what are you writing this in then? Um, this is um, Blueprints and Unreal. UE4. Right. Okay. So, um, yeah. I mean, I only started Unreal last November, actually. Wow. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I only just started. So, I thought, okay, let me, if I'm going to do this, let me just give it a shot. And I'm by myself. There's no right. support in it, to be yeah, honest. And, and how are you finding the VR stuff as well? Oh, that's, <laughs> I love VR, but it's a pain in the neck. <laughs> it's a pain in the neck, man. And, I, yeah, I think even with the AI really picking up the HMD, the head mounted display, it's just yeah. it's chaos at times, man. So there's been a lot of glitches. Even right now, um, I'm playing through the engine. This isn't the build, because the build of the game actually broke the night before EGX, and that is chaos. So I'm here using it in the engine. So, um, yeah. Thanks a lot. I'll let you get back to the other guys. Nice Thank you very much, Thank Adam. you so much. Cheers. Thank you. All right, I'm now being joined by... Josie. Uh, Josie. From, yeah, over from My Last Son at the NFTS stand. Right. Um, do you want to explain a wee bit about the concept of My Last Son? Sure, yeah. So, well, um, My Last Son is a 2D desktop game, and it looks at exploring the five stages of grief. It's uh, based on kind of a mythical, nondescript place in Africa, um, and we were really keen for that. We are really keen to bring some African themes um, into games again, because that's certainly something we don't see a lot. So, the gameplay of it certainly felt like I was, I was running away from some weird monster thing that if I went too far to the left it started chasing after me um, but it's also you know, it's relatively simplistic gameplay at the moment but what ways do you see the gameplay evolving from just breaking stuff and pushing? Great, that's a great question. So yeah, there's loads we want to do. I mean, obviously, like you said, it's really early stages yeah. with the go gameplay. I'm guessing you've been working on this for about five, six months, same as the other students around here. Yeah, exactly. So I'm um, I'm actually producing the game. Oh, so right. we're uh, the game. Our games designer's just stepped out, but there's a uh, there's loads that he wants to uh, wants to add into it. Uh, loads more. Um, uh, each of the stages change quite dramatically to, yeah. to mimic each of the stages of grief, and we wanted a lot of the obstacles to also mimic the different stages of grief that you go through uh, the monster being kind of obviously a metaphor for like the truth catching up with you um, and also it's based on a lot of African uh, African minded myths and arts of bringing um, kind of ritual around burial and a ritual around death 
So um, yeah, it's, it's something we want to mimic in the art style. And you'll notice as well that there's not any writing anywhere in the game, which is something the game designer was really keen on to make it kind of universal and really easy to play. It is definitely fairly simplistic at the moment, but obviously that can be improved and yeah. fixed. I felt really harsh, but, you know, the way you just drop the baby. I know, like, yeah. Just like throw the baby on the floor. Yeah, we have had that moment. And you'll be surprised how many people want to just lob the baby across <laughs> into the distance, which is awful, yeah. because there's us trying to encourage you, you know, carefully place it down. So, yeah, there's a there's a lesson in where game mechanics can really change your, uh, your what you want your uh, player to do yeah. um, so, or not do. So. so what's the game written in, then? Um, so this is all done in Unity. Right. Um, actually, all the games here at the NFTS are done in Unity, apart from the two over there in Unreal. I was going to say Fallen Sky. Falling Sky and the House Mouse VR. So they're both, the, they're both Unreal. Unreal. Exactly, right. yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's um, it's been great. I mean, it's a really great uh, great tool to use. And as you can see, the art styles are so different oh, here. Yeah, I mean, what's been produced. doesn't anything like that on you. Exactly, exactly. So yeah, I mean it's um, it's great. Yeah, long way to go, but um, we're really happy with the concept and where we're up to up to yeah. right so now. So you're about six months in. How much longer do you guys have before? I guess you have to turn it into the final product for for review and things like that. Yeah, exactly. So we're looking to finish up the end of this year. Um, so we're looking around December, January time. Yeah. Okay. So we've got we've got uh, more people coming on on the team as well. Um, we've been a bit kind of scarce for resources and money. So um, all of those things that are never well, mentioned. Even for, but, your even for your students, you've got to worry about the financing and things as well. Then. Yeah, definitely. So we have a budget to manage. Um, okay, that's really cool. Yeah. So we get a budget allocated for the whole year. Yeah. Um, and then that's something you have to manage amongst the team and kind of distribute accordingly, depending on marketing or and the game build itself, or if you want additional help with art style. And that, I think that really enables. If the students are, uh, if the students are, for example, more into the coding side, it means that they can then get help with the art style and not feel like that hindered by that. Yeah, so. I know some of the guys are saying that. They've taken on professional music people. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, same for us. We have a we have an MA composing course. Right. So they compose for film and TV and games. Okay. So you can so work with them. And, exactly. Yeah. So we're lucky cool. there. We've got the resources in yeah. house of people. And that's one yeah. of the great things I'd imagine about the NFTS. NFTS. Exactly. Yeah. It's 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 really amazing. You've got all that there. Yeah. That's good. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks so much. So I'm now in the queue for Switchblade and I'm joined with two people who don't want to introduce themselves. <laughs> uh, my name is Nerese. And I'm Andrew. You're Andrew. So Nerese, what are you in Switchblade and Andrew, what are you? Um, I'm one of the associate producers. Right. Hence why he's passing the buck on to you. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And so I'm what are you, what are you I'm the QA department. You're the QA department. So you're basically the most important people then. I don't like to brag. <laughs> <laughs> but without you guys, we don't have anything. So. <laughs> <laughs> right, so can you tell me a little bit about Switchblade then, please? Yeah, well, Switchblade is a vehicular-based, um, like, 5 versus 5 team-based shooter game. Um, and it's all about, like, pushing towers, uh, playing with, like, like your team. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's, it's something that's kind of, like, developed a little bit from, like, mo the MOBA-inspired bit. Yeah. And we kind of want to make it um, our, our own play on it. I really hope you've got a nicer community than the mobile community. Actually, uh, our community is great at the moment. You know what? Like they're just they're brilliant, aren't they? Like yeah. we've got our own little Discord channel and oh, oh just yeah, like smashing like top notch people. Right, so what kind of things? You're, you're driving vehicles, all land based, I'm assuming, or other air vehicles as well? Moment, uh, it's or? all land. Right, and what kind of things can they do? So, well, some of them can uh, blow themselves up. Some of them, <laughs> that's why that's everyone's favourite one, though, isn't it? Um, some of them, like a lot of them, fire like rockets or missiles, speed boost. Uh, one of them even deploys lots of fog to kind of like, like um, I'll, I'll, yeah, for cover, obscuring like uh, the, the, the enemy's vision. So we've got a lot of vehicles that do a lot of different th things. So it's really great. I mean, the maps look fairly large from what I'm watching, but you know, roughly, what is the gameplay size, the game area size? Um, it's. I don't know, dude. Did you want to answer this question? I mean, like. You know what, we need Jeff for this part. We do need Jeff for this part. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he's like, uh, he deals with all the map stuff. But I mean, like, it's, it's quite, I mean, to take you from one part of the map to the other part, probably about a minute. Okay, and you know, obviously that's a minute driving a car, so yes, it, it looks fairly big and they look fairly rich. Mm -hmm. uh, what engine are you guys using, do you know? Uh, we're using Unreal Engine. Uh, UE4, yeah. Yeah. What, you, you say you're pushing things, what do you mean by that? 
you know, I'm assuming you're not like literally driving into a block and you know <laughs> pushing it around or uh, so you like you're pushing your mobs to get to the towers you right. want to take down the towers so you can get to the base core take that out okay so hence the mobile side of things yeah right right I'm now joined by Dan who's the, what are you on me? I'm the games developer of May, so you're, I do. Okay, I'm you're like, the developer, right? Yeah. On May, and what can you tell me about May then? Uh, so May is the story of a Mayfly's first and last day on Earth. Um, essentially, the Mayfly's usual life cycle is they mate and die in a 24-hour period. But in my game, the female Mayfly's wings break before she has a chance to lay her eggs. Well, that sucks. <laughs> that does suck. But this, the male Mayfly can cheat death, pick her up, and use his last bits of energy just to get her down the river to lay her eggs. Um, mechanically, it's fairly interesting as well. Uh, it's a puzzle game at its heart. Yep. Um, you've got four ways of solving every single puzzle, but as the day progresses, the one that you've been using the most gets taken away from you at every level. So you end up leveling down. It sort of mirrors the narrative of this kind of like atrophy of like yeah, slowly yeah, dying, disintegrating. Yeah. So you, you mentioned that somebody cried in it. What did you do to that poor person? The music is absolutely beautiful. I wish you could hear it now. And that's what they commented on making them cry. Okay. That combined with the narrative, I think, you know, it, we want to put people in quite an emotional place during the game. Yeah. So I appreciated the and, tears. And <laughs> I guess, you know, you, you, a thing where your character is going to die. Yeah, exactly. You know, you're already feeling there. I mean, it's sort of mirroring human life. You know, we're all going to die. Yeah. But I don't want to bring the tone down too much. <laughs> well, I'm waiting for this person to be eaten by a frog or something, to be honest. Uh, yeah, well... When you pick up that dandelion head, which is one of the ways of solving the puzzle, he can't see you. Cunning. So you can sort of hide behind it. But right. obviously, if you solve it this way the first time, the next time you meet a frog, you won't be able to solve it in that way. Yeah, so you've got to find other ways to do it. Yeah, exactly. So you can surf on a lily pad here. You can sort of hide in the foliage, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Right, so what's the game developed in? Uh, it's developed in Unity. Right. Um, it's a student project. We're at the NFTS. Yep. Um, it's our second year project. It will be done in December. Started production in March time, so it was quite a short little form of it. Yeah, I mean, I'm impressed. The stuff that you guys have been doing in five, six months is amazing. Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much. It's a real hard slog, and we have to put quite a lot of our own time into it. Yeah. But I think it's worth it in the end. To be able to show it at an event like this is absolutely brilliant. Oh, it's a great opportunity. So, what, I mean... Okay, you'll be finishing this at the end of the year, from what I understand. Yeah, exactly. What you know? Are you gonna? What, what do you want to do after that? What, I mean, I would. What do you want to do with, with me after that? I would love to get some financing for it and make it into a bigger project. This is sort of going to go in my portfolio as well. So I'm looking to try and get a job in design afterwards. Right. But with the game itself, I mean, the world's our oyster, really. We'll see if we can get any funding for it. Maybe crowdsource it, something yeah. like that. Thank you very much, and I'll have a proper game of it when I get a chance to sit down. Yeah, no problem at all. I'm now joined by the person who actually made people cry, who's the composer for May. So. Hi, I'm Joe Patterson. Yeah, I'm the composer for um, May by Dan, and it's a stunning game. And yeah, it's a very kind of visceral music that follows the story of the kind of male Mayfly um, kind of towing his partner along. And it's just, you know, Dan, Dan said, kind of invest emotionally, you know, invest in the story, kind of put everything into this that you can, you know, because you want people really want to resonate with it as well. And it's all the whole concept, you know, is about a day and what would you do within that time and you're travelling through with the Mayfly on its on its on its life course. So for me that was like completely present throughout when I started writing and I kind of I started writing the music um kind of with the concept in my mind and started before I'd seen anything, you know, I just, I just had visual references, you know, because obviously Dan... Do you just have the concept art or yeah, something like that? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, just, just a couple of kind of concept images and, and a kind of, and a plan of like the levels um, and then I started writing the music from there uh, and sent Dan kind of a back and forth and we had an amazing opportunity to record at Angel Studios, so it was an orchestral session um, and I was kind of very much aware of, I wanted it to kind of be, to fit with the imagery and the visual. I wanted it to be very kind of visceral and kind of mixed classical mix with ambiences and I'm very much about kind of kind of sonic textures and soundscapes as well to kind of really kind of create something quite unique whilst you're playing as well you know and really fits in with the, the natural organic world as well yeah I mean it's something that's great audio design in game is never noticed but always missed yes exactly and it's so important yeah it should be it should be a really seamless um, integration as well I find yeah. you know and really because you, do, you don't want it to jump out at you you want it to just be really seamlessly ingrained in the game and um, you know I'm um, 
that is my main focus throughout whatever I'm doing and uh, it's been a beautiful collaboration with Dan and I'm always you know I've told him like get me on board from the start very very start of the process and we kind of we kind of work together so it's kind of a really organic process out of the whole thing right, as well. So have you done audio design for games before or is this your first time with that? Um, I have uh, done audio design for a small um, app um, called Trapped, which was with Laurie Nash, which is another fellow um, NFTS games designer right. as well. Um, and then I've also worked with um, Jonathan Nielsen doing uh, soundscapes and music um, for a Moments of Consequence game by him, which is really beautiful, called Retreat. And yeah, so then my next project was with Dan, with Dan and me. Yeah. So which, how are you finding? I mean, this is a great opportunity for you guys to come down to TGX and to demo your thing. But how are you finding that in, in terms of? doing it with your coursework as well as I mean it's a major this is a major major event yeah and it's, it's a hell of an opportunity but it's bloody knackering yeah and you know you guys are trying to get your your masters out of this as well exactly um, it's, it's just you know it's just kind of uh, about prioritizing and knowing that this is what we're here to do, you know, to network and to and to and to find opportunity and to kind of go around and not only bring att- attraction to the kind of game that I've done, but also, you know, to try and to try and kind of put myself out there as well. Because especially as kind of you know up and coming games with games developers as well, we're we're kind of very much up and coming in the audio department as well. So it's just about kind of putting our names out there as well, and 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 that's very important. That's you know priority for me, juggling with while struggling everything else as well. So is there anywhere that people can find your work on the internet? Yes, like yeah, yeah. If you search, um, my website is www.joepatterson.com and I've also got soundcloud.com forward slash joepatterson. Right. And is the game, is the music for this up there as well? Yes, it is on there as well, right. so you'll be able to find the music from me. And it's, awesome. a, it's, a, it's a full recorded session as well. Right. Yeah. well thank you very much thank then. You. Cheers. Thank you. I'm now joined with... Gary Kings from National Insecurities, lead developer. And you guys are doing 2001... 2002 2001. 2001. A Space, a space Felony. Yes. Uh, so what is it? It's a murder mystery courtroom drama set in space. You're kind of... Murder mystery. Murder mystery. Courtroom drama. Courtroom drama in space. Uh, and you go through... Uh, you approach a ship uh, that has been out of contact, uh, contact for a whole year. And when you get there, you find a whole bunch of dead bodies and an AI saying, I didn't do it. (laughs) So you're tasked with finding evidence that says to the contrary. Uh, And it's kind of a comedy, kind of a a love letter to uh, many things, uh, some of which might be obvious, some less so. And it's part of a series of four murder mystery games which aim to break entirely new ground in murder mystery genre of games. And these are these games are all out there now. Or oh no, this is this is a second of four. Right. Uh, the first of four is actually free online. It's called um, Disorient on the Murder Express, but we're currently remaking it. I've, I've heard that. I've heard about yeah, it. Yeah, got covered on Rock Paper Shotgun a little bit. Okay. The the guy who covers the free games there loves it so much he brings it up every time it's remotely relevant. <laughs> that might yeah, that might be one. Yeah, might he, be lo- he loves that one. Yeah, I've not played it, but I have heard of that. Yeah, one, I think. So that one's uh yeah. We're currently in the middle of remaking that one because we want to make four murder mysteries, including that one then package them all together into something called the National Insecurities Murder Mystery Marathon and release that as one big thing. Although we are releasing each one individually, we kind of want to make this one big thing a big thing and uh, and then put that out there uh, as kind of like, almost like a portfolio of of new ground broken in the murder mystery genre because there's a lot of room for improvement in that genre and I just decided that I wanted to do it four times. As Uh, you do. And each each one of these games approaches things sort of similarly, but usually, like they're very different games. Like the, the core mechanics of them are very different. Uh, so we, we try and differentiate them so they aren't just like different levels in the same video game. They're very very different. Like the next one is a Western murder mystery, cool. which has you jumping through time, uh, not necessarily as time travel. It's more like a Tarantino movie. Right. Uh, but you are given complete control over uh, over the non-linearity. So it's set over 12 days. You start on day 12, you might jump to day 5, and day 6, day 7, any order you want. In fact, you can even jump out halfway through day 5 and go back to it later and you'll leave off where you are. We really want to sort of like approach, approach design problems like that. Like, how do you approach a non-linear story as a mechanic rather than just as a framing device? Uh, and that's what we want to do with the next one. And I can't talk about the one after that because the one after that is, uh, <laughs> yeah, the one is. Yes. 
well, the, the main thing is we have an idea for the last one, but we also have three or four other ideas that might end up taking over instead. That so can, that can also happen. Yeah. So, I mean, what what platforms are these available on then? This is currently only PC, although we are trying to get Nintendo's attention, and we'll put it on okay. any platform that we can. But we aren't really, we haven't really ported anything yet, so we're not. We, we can't really say with any great certainty that it'll turn up on PS4 or Xbox yeah. One. But uh, we'd love to put it on any platform we can. Yeah. Really, we're you know, me and the guys, you know. We're mainly PC people anyway, so yeah. PC's fine from yeah. our perspective, but you know, obviously, you know, there's a massive, massive audience yep. on consoles and things, so... Yeah, I really do wish that Nintendo would get back to my emails. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Uh, I, I really want my game on the Switch. Like, the Switch is a, a console that me as a kid would have adored. The Switch looks like it actually cope with proper... Yeah. What, what I would call proper games. I feel I, I feel like this would if we optimized it just a little bit, we could probably get it running at thirty frames per second or so. Yeah. I, I hear that Unreal Engine Four, which this has made it, uh, is really really optimized for Nintendo Switch. Fair like, enough. Snake Pass turned up and it took them apparently three days to get it running well. Like that's that's from Nintendo himself. The guy who won't get uh, won't get back to me on yeah. my emails. <laughs> so, what? How do we? go about solving this murder mystery then? Well, first of all, uh, you go around the ship and take photos. Yeah. Uh, photos of every piece of evidence. And then you go into this room, which is basically the AI. You're inside the AI core at that point. Right. And there's a series of screens on all the walls. Uh, and you have to basically ask the AI what's up with this piece of evidence by pointing at the screen which shows your photograph from earlier. And he will say something about that evidence. Uh, and then if you think he's lying, you can pick another piece of evidence which contradicts his statement. So you, you uh, catch so the AI in a lie. Yeah, exactly. And it's, um, uh, it's very much Ace Attorney in that way, but more open, because what Ace Attorney would usually do is kind of lead you up to the point where you need to contradict. This game kind of leads you, allows you to lead yourself into where you need to contradict, because you're the one asking for the statements to then... It's like a game of Snap when every, every card is different, really. It's... Uh, it's quite. I think it's quite an elegant system, personally. Yeah. But I'm the designer, so I get to think that. <laughs> but other people. If you didn't think that, you'd be doing it wrong or something. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, like this. This system doesn't always resonate with everybody because, yeah. like, uh, it's this big bunch of screens in in one room. And I have found that some people they look around and they're like, "Where's that one piece of evidence?" And they miss it over and over again while they look past. Whilst other people go straight to it. So. That sounds like me. I'm always the person in the supermarket, like and I'm like, you know, "Where is the baby milk?" Yeah. And it's right in front of me. It is, you know, and I, that's so me. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, I, at this point, we've got a few Let's Players uh, who've who've touched it. Okay, cool. Uh, and you can really see the difference between some of them, like. Sometimes they'll just go straight to where they need to be, and sometimes they'll be like, "Where was that thing?" And it, yeah. you know, I've seen this before at some yeah. point, maybe. Uh, in yeah. the uh, in the as a designer that is agony to watch it shouldn't be because like uh, like you know they're, they're just playing the game out how they should be I'm not holding anything against them but like uh, yeah watching your own games be played by other people is a really terrifying experience like, I can imagine that yes yeah and I watch them all I need to oh, like, yeah. right well thank you very much and I'll... thank you hey I'm joined with I'm Al from Wired Productions from Wired. Wired Productions right, yeah okay and you guys have got a, a booth with a fair few games in it. But do you want to talk us through a couple of them and then we'll get on to this one, The Town of Light, which I'm going to have a look at. Yeah, sure. So um, what's new this year at the show this year, we have a game called Vostok Inc., which is a Wolf of Wall Street in space. It's a, it's a conquest game. The It's a twin-stick shooter meets, a, meets an idle game, so think of adventure capitalists, these types of games where you're building up, you're becoming bigger and bigger, you're colonising planets, you're going through, you're uh, shooting your enemies, mining asteroids, and, and you, the idea is to get filthy, stinking rich. So we've got we've got that at the game at the show for the very first time coming to Nintendo Switch right. for the holiday season. Um, we've also got Max: The Curse of the Brotherhood, which is coming to PlayStation Four for the very first time. And uh, and the game that I, I want to talk to you about today is The Town of Light, which is a psychological adventure story which has its grounding in reality. Mm -hmm. So what can you tell me about The Town of Light then? And I suppose, what platforms is on first? So the Town of Light is available now on PlayStation 4, Xbox One and PC, Steam. Right. Um, the, the game is a psychological adventure story. 
it is set in a real location which is a psychiatric asylum in the small town of Volterra in Tuscany, Italy. Um, which was opened from about 1908 through to 1978 and it, it, its peak was home to around 5,000 patients. Right, and what kind of things do you do in the game then? So the game is, uh, is an adventure, uh, so you are entering the asylum through the eyes of someone who at 16 years of age was committed to the asylum in the 1930s. You're exploring the, the building in its ruined state in the present day and as you explore the asylum you will find different items, different objects that will trigger memories for the, for the protagonist and you'll be able to piece together what happened to her while she was there, what happened to her ultimately and what happened to her to bring her there in the first place. Um, the story is non-linear so how you, the events themselves don't change, but depending on how you interpret the evidence and how you reason with the protagonist, you'll see a different version of the truth and a different perspective. Right, so I was going to ask, what's the actual gameplay apart from wandering around, exploring and discovering things? The, the, the gameplay mechanic is equivalent to something like everybody's gone to the Rapture or Firewatch, so it's predominantly it's, uh, it is an exploration and interact with, with objects within the environment. Right. Um, there are some dialogue sequences where you are sort of reasoning with the protagonist and, and, and sort of working them through, and that, that, that helps determine how you're... How you're interpreting the evidence and the paths that you can take there are four non-linear story paths and they're all based on the uh, state of being from an Italian psychiatrist so they're based on rationalism and obsession and, and other attributes and, and they actually tell you a little bit about how you interpret the evidence and, and how you think as opposed to just giving you a different version of the story. And these events are all based on true stories? Yeah, so René, the, the game's protagonist, is a fictional character, but everything that happens to her is based on uh, historical research, documents, interviews with staff who worked in the asylum. It's all been verified by a psychiatrist and, and a historical expert in the field. Um, everything down to the name of the game, The Town of Lights, uh, the protagonist talks about the light coming over her and that is based on a diary of someone who suffered with mental illness many years past um, and they were they were talking about the light coming over them and uh, it was too long ago to be sure but they think it was something to related to seizures. Okay. Right. Whereabouts can people find it? I know you said it's on the scene but where can... Where's your social media things and so on? Uh, so you can follow the game on Twitter. It's at the Town of Light, or you can find it on Facebook, the Town of Light as okay, well. Okay. And any other things you want to tell me about it before I dive in? Just if you want to play a game that's going to stick with you long after you've played it, this is the game for you. It's going to mess with my head. It will take you on an emotional journey. Okay, well, thank you very much then. Thank you. What makes this an adult, an 18 plus adult game? Um, what, what's in there that would that would make it that? So I think the reason it's an 18 is because the developer didn't want to censor anything that went on in these types of facilities. It wanted to be a true and real account of the the types of ordeals that patients went through. Many of the medical procedures. Yeah. that were, were performed in the 1930s and 1940s were quite gruesome, to be frank, and um, these are there in their, in their form and, you know, uncensored from that perspective, and there was some maltreatment of patients within these facilities as well. Um, so the, those are the two things that have predominantly fueled the... Uh, the, the 18 rating. Right, okay. I'm quite impressed with that, to be fair. Um, I like, you know, you know, if something needs to be shown or, or demonstrated, like the, the history side of it, you know, you can't hold back really. And, and it's a shame that some people, that some people find that they have to hold back. I don't think it should be held back ever, you know. It's, it needs to be. It needs to be told at the end no of the day. So. Sugarcoating history. No, no, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So the, I mean, the developer felt that very passionately. You know, the whole. Uh, you know, idea of the game was to talk about mental illness and talk about the history of, of mental health treatment and that side of things. So he 
uh, it would be wrong to censor that. It, it's absolutely it's a it's a it's a story, but it's it's very much a documentary piece in many ways, and and, and every effort has been made to make it as as realistic and representative of, of what those patients went through. You mentioned, it's, okay, it's on the PC, it's on Steam, but it's also, it also works in VR from what I understand as well. Yeah, so there's VR support for the Oculus Rift for the game. Okay, that's cool. And that's obviously all from the first person perspective. We don't know if we're, we don't know if it's jumping or walking, but I suspect it'll be walking. But I don't know. I think it is. I think it is walking. Here, I'm with who are you, uh, Dwayne. Where's Dwayne? And what is uh, I'm a promoter of the game. It's okay. uh, by Insidium. Rob's our developer. Right. And, and uh, the game is Phantom Halls. Phantom Halls. Yeah, we're on Steam early access at the moment. Right. So half price until Monday to celebrate EGX. Why not? It's £3.33, and we've also licensed the Evil Dead, so you can play as Ash in the game, <laughs> okay. which is pretty cool. You got the cabin to explore in the woods yeah. and things like that, and that's all included in the price. So you get all that in there too. Right, so what kind of game is Phantom Halls well, then? Well, basically it's a procedurally generated 2D side-scrolling horror comedy game. We're going for that nostalgic love letter to the 80s, B-movies, the horror genre, things like that in there. Every uh, time that you go into a quest, it'll be a little bit different. So obviously procedurally generated, so you've got loads of different uh, rooms and all the items will be in different places. We've got for the stereotypical characters, we've gone for the jock, the goth, the nerd and things like that in there. And they all have their own little personality and stories. So they have their own individual quests and items and basically goals in the game yep. and when you get towards when you've completed those goals the mansion will go already it'll go a bit crazy and uh, the gargoyles will start to come after you and you've got to get out of there once you actually do get out of there as long as you don't get killed that's mission complete you've done it and then you can search through the other characters quests do other characters quests and do other things as well so what's the actual game it's a side it's a side scrolling adventure thing yeah side scrolling um, horror game it's a procedurally generated horror game and mouse and keyboards Yep. Just PC at the moment? Or? Just on Steam at the moment. That's uh, anything else as well? Um, not allowed to talk about that, I'm afraid. Okay, but, okay uh, fine. At home, but, uh, In other words, yes. <laughs> <laughs> we want to get it finished on Steam. We want to get out of the that, that makes sense. And uh, we want to add some more features like a co-op mode and stuff in the future. Yeah. Well, that'd be fun. And add yeah. a few bits and bobs in there everyone's asking for. We get a lot of feedback from the fans of the game and uh, they're really enjoying it and whatever they ask for, we're trying to implement into the game. We have some really great ideas. Yeah. So really enjoying that. So one question I find myself... I've played it for about five minutes. Um, actually, it felt like five minutes, but it was probably about <laughs> 10 or 15. Um, and, yeah, I noticed you've got falling bookshelves and chandeliers, zombies and skeletons attacking you. Yep. The bats seem to be quite annoying. Yeah, melee weapons um, on the bats. If you're using guns, it's going to be a lot harder to hit them. Okay, I feel, I feel glad I managed to hit them about mid one then, Nad. <laughs> um, is there a quick is there a quick weapon swap or something like that? Or is I it know, just because uh, the imagery will pause the game, so you just drag it onto okay. your character and quip straight to them. Right. With the reload, as long as you just carry on clicking the button, it will reload the. Yeah, that was something I was trying to figure out. Like, yeah. How do I reload it? Well, I, I have a query about the inventory. Um, can, can, can you not stack items on the inventory? Like, like, uh, like, all the ammo will go into the same one and that'll stack but uh, okay. the weapons okay. themselves won't so you'll have to drop you have to try yeah. and figure out which ones you want to keep with you what's going to be most important to you right. on your journey you're going to need to keep the first aid kits because there are going to be a oh, lot of monsters yeah. you just answered my question I remembered, like, I've been looking around thinking okay I've been hurt I've had bookshelves falling on me where's the first aid kits they're in there but they're, they're very there. hard to find right. so right. they're very few and far between so when you do get them they're like they are gold, gold dust glasses. in the game yeah. yeah. but they are in there and they uh, do when you help back but as I say, it's kind of, if you go in guns blazing, you're going to get overwhelmed. It's very tactics based. When you get your second character, you can get up, up to three, four characters in the okay. game while following you. And you can get each one to like want to hold a flashlight so you can see a bit better, want to hold a melee weapon, want to hold a gun, and you can switch between them. So you can right. get all three Okay, so you can play as a, any of the characters in your team then? Yes, you can scroll through the uh, wheel and it'll switch to each character. Okay, you can change cool. what item each one of them has got and what they're up to. They can search for items while you're protecting them and things like that as yeah, well. Yeah, I saw that. Which is great. So, yeah, it adds a bit more element to tactics in the game. Yep. Whereabouts can people find it? It's on Steam. Yeah, where, we're on where Steam can Early Access. Incendium uh, is based in London. Uh, we're on Twitter. I had the opportunity to explore so many great games at EGX this year. Fallen Sky, even though it's a student project, is a really great feel to it and I'm really, really interested to see where Jonathan Nielsen takes it. I absolutely adored the music in May by Joe Patterson, um, and Sunless Skies, 2001, The Town of Light, I found myself just getting so immersed in them, and I could have played them so, so easily for hours and hours. Um, but of course, I don't have time to do that at a convention, um, but I'm definitely going to be picking these up and playing more of them when I've got some free time. Once again, thanks for listening, and I'll include contact information for all of the games in the show notes. So until next time, fly safe, and if you can't do that, fly dangerous.
safe Two seconds, I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs>